More honesty than you can handle. More empowerment than you can imagine. You're tuned in to Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Uh, in case you've just tuned in, we've uh, already discussed the escalating war uh, uh, between Israel and Hamas in the first 30 minutes of today's program. Now let's talk some uh, some more politics, uh, domestic politics, uh, in this half hour with two guests. Um, Sir Michael Singleton, host of his own program on SiriusXM, and then later we'll be joined by uh, the chief national political analyst for my home station in L.A., uh, KBLA Talk 1580, and host of his own show, Dr. Nick Quartelai Corte. He'll be joined uh, he'll join us later uh, uh, in this uh, half hour. Uh, but first again, Sir Michael Singleton. Sir Michael, good to have you back on. How are you today, sir? Hey, Tavis, I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing the best I can. If I complained, I'd be an ingrate. Let me jump right in based on the, the few minutes that we have here. <laughs> um, so uh, literally as we as we speak, as we sit, um, this just in, breaking news, uh, the House GOP has selected Representative Tom Emmer as its new speaker nominee. So here we go again. It took uh, Kevin McCarthy 15 votes to get in the first time. Uh, Jim Jordan, um, well, let me back up. Uh, first, Kevin McCarthy, 15 votes. Then we thought it was going to be Steve Scalise. That ship went nowhere. Then, uh, then Jim Jordan shows up. He can't make it happen after three votes. And now we're told that the uh, GOP caucus has selected Tom Emmer uh, as uh, its new um, uh, speaker nominee. I don't know a lot about uh, Mr. Emmer. Uh, what I do know uh, is that... Um, he here now, uh, after winning uh, the, the, the vote to, to be the nominee, has called for a GOP conference roll call vote. Uh, now, it's interesting these other guys <laughs> didn't do this the way he did it. He's calling for a conference roll call vote. He wants to know exactly what he can count on uh, if and when this nomination goes to the floor, and we assume that it will. But he's trying to count his votes, unlike uh, uh, mm-hmm. others who got caught out there with their with their shorts down, if you will. So we will see uh, what happens. Again, this is happening literally as we speak. It's changing. The story is, is developing in the moment. But uh, broadly speaking, um, if you know anything about Tom Emmer, let me know. And if you don't, <laughs> we'll, we'll all discover it together in the coming hours, coming days. But just tell me more what you make of this process that we are being dragged through once again. I mean, look, I think it just showcases, Tavis, how difficult it is right now uh, for House Republicans and the House uh, GOP conference to select a leader after the motion to vacate filed by Congressman Matthew Gates out of Florida, along with seven other uh, members, joined with a host of Democrats. And I'm not blaming it on Democrats. I think Democrats strategically were smart mm-hmm. in voting not to save McCarthy because it will give them an opportunity to target the uh, 18 Republicans in Biden districts next year. Uh, with the message that Republicans cannot lead, they're, they're chaotic, they're not doing the people's business. So on the Democratic side, I think there's some strategy here that they're looking at long term, and it may bode well for them in some of those tight races next year. Uh, with that said, the question that, I, that I'm wondering with Ember, and I've been texting quite a few people who work for members on the GOP side, can he get the 217? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think it's smart uh, that he's getting the vote right now in the conference before they take it to the floor. Uh, but I have to tell you, Emmer is seen, and I don't know Emmer well. I've never met him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from what I know about him, he is of the, of the more establishment elements, leadership elements of the party, similarly to Scalise. Mm-hmm. And a lot of base voters, a lot of the activist groups, don't support him. Uh, a lot. Remember, he had to have a call with Trump this weekend uh, because there are a lot of rumors going on next, uh, last week that some of the more hardline members should vote against him that the Freedom Caucus should vote against him. And so I'm wondering if that call with Trump uh, Saturday will be enough 
for some of those more right-leaning members to vote for him? Or was the pressure from the base and some of the activist groups put him in peril as well? Mm-hmm. Um, let me tell you more about uh, uh, Tom Emmer. Um, again, we're all learning this in real time. Um, he is the House Majority Whip. He wrote a letter on Saturday uh, to his colleagues uh, saying that he was seeking the speakership with the goal of delivering, and I quote, historic change, close quote, whatever that means. Uh, interestingly, Kevin McCarthy backed um, this Minnesota Republican for the speaker. Tom Emmer is his name. Once again, that's E-M-M-E-R. He was backed by Kevin McCarthy, uh, which delivered an early boost for his candidacy. Uh, he voted to certify the 2020 election in a rebuke to former President Donald Trump and could, in fact, face resistance from some members of the House Freedom Caucus who supported, of course, uh, Jim Jordan early on. So here's a guy. Uh, I think there were only of, of the all the candidates that were running this time around, uh, Sher Michael, only two of them had, in fact, voted to certify uh, the election results. Once again, a rebuke to former President Donald Trump. We know that Donald Trump supported Jim Jordan. So how do you read those politics? And here's a guy who couldn't be speaker, but he certified the election results. And you know what that means for these Trump sycophants in the House and beyond. I mean, look, I, <laughs> him certifying, it goes to the very point that I was just stating. Tyrus. He had to call Trump this past weekend mm-hmm. to have a conversation with him. Now, Gates stated on his podcast, I believe Sunday in a video that came out, that from his knowledge, I'm assuming he spoke with Trump or spoke with those close to Trump, that the call went fairly well. So that's maybe a a wink and a nod, if you will, for some people Mm -hmm. to soften on Emmer. But i got to be honest with you, Tavis. I'm not convinced, though, when I've texted people who lead some of the grassroots uh, groups in the GOP that are are far more conservative and and less towards the middle or centrist right-leaning, they don't support Emmer. And as one individual who told me, who's an executive director of a pro-Trump PAC, if you will, it's not a PAC affiliated with Trump, mm-hmm. but it supports Trump. Uh, he and I were texting earlier today, and he said, uh, Sherm, there's no way in the world Emmer could become speaker. And I said, well, what are you guys thinking? And he said, we're going we're gonna to challenge this. We're already lining up our folks to make phone calls mm-hmm. to the members that we can rely on to vote against him. And so he can't afford to lose, as we know, four yeah. votes. Nope. If he loses four then we're going to see this whole thing all over again. Uh, and, and again, I'm, I'm just not certain, Tabitha, yeah. that we can get to a speaker by the end of the week. I could be wrong, but from what I'm hearing, it seems that there's going to be some serious challenges here for Emmer. Well, as we all know, and to your point, he needs 217. He has to get to 217. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a former National Republican Congressional Committee chairman, which means he raised a lot of money for other Republicans. That's all that means. A lot of money. He raised a yeah. lot of money. Uh, first elected to Congress in 2014 and became majority whip just earlier this year. He lost a race for Minnesota governor in 2010, was a state rep from 2004 to 2008. He sits on the Financial Services Committee. Uh, that committee was once chaired by Auntie Max scene. Um, she's now the ranking member on that committee, but he's on the same committee that Maxine Waters is on, the Financial Services Committee. That said, uh, my exit question to you, uh, no matter what happens here, whether he gets to 217 or not, it appears to me that anti-establishment outsiders are really becoming the majority faction in the Republican caucus. Would you disagree with that? I would disagree because based on the, their current numbers, um, I would certainly agree that they are growing. I mean, remember when Jim Jordan was fo- first elected nearly 16 years ago during that big Freedom Caucus wave, and there was a small number of, of individuals like Jordan who, who attempted to oust um, Boehner. You had people like Dave Bratt. 
out of Virginia who beat Eric Cantor. If you remember the Cantor mm-hmm. race, that was really historic at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I would certainly argue that it's growing. But I want to remind uh, you, Tavon, the audience of this uh, quickly here. Boris Epstein, who's an advisor to former President Donald Trump, stated last week in an interview that, and, and it wasn't directly about Emmer, but I think it was in reference to Emmer. This was before the Trump conversation this past weekend. He stated that the, the Republican conference does not need an establishment leader. This is the MAGA party now led by Donald Trump, and we need, Republicans that is, he stated, we need a MAGA Speaker of the House. Mm-hmm. And I think as long as that prevailing thought maintains, again, with the base, with a lot of those activist groups, I would not be surprised if you see a few holdouts say, you know, yeah, Emmer can raise a lot of money, but he voted to certify the election. He doesn't believe the election was stolen. He's not really a supporter of Donald Trump. Therefore, he's not going to do what's in the best interest of, of the country, if you will, because he's more of an establishment figure who's a part of this political apparatus that only cares about certain things that are self-serving, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I think that's going to be the prevailing argument. And if that's articulated well, we'll be looking at somebody else next week who will have to throw their hat in the ring. Well, as this uh, program moves into hour two and hour three, uh, if there's any breaking news, of course, I will let you know that. But at the moment, we know his name. His name is Tom Emmer. He's from Minnesota. He's the new nominee uh, for the GOP. Whether or not he can get to 217 is the ultimate question, and we shall see. For now, we thank Shermichael Singleton, host of his own program on Sirius XM. Shermichael, all the best to you. Take care of yourself, sir. Tavis, I'll see you soon. Yes, sir. I hope so. When we come forward, Dr. Nick Cordelai Corte will raise a... his voice uh, and share his thoughts on the drama unfolding in the house right now. Plus the UAW has expanded its strike yesterday in Michigan today in Texas. It's still on and popping uh, inside the UAW. Uh, More to come when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. Seeking the truth. truth. Speaking the truth. truth. This This is the Tavis Smiley Smiley show. Helping to make you the most knowledgeable person in your circle of friends. This is Tavis Smiley. This is Tavis Smiley in conversation with Dr. Nick Cordelai-Corte, my colleague uh, in Los Angeles at KBLA Talk 1580, uh, where he is the chief national political affairs analyst and host of his own program, uh, A More Perfect Union. Nick Cordelai, how are you today, sir? I'm doing well. How are you, Tavis? Man, if I complained, I'd be an ingrate. I'm just trying to keep up with all these news stories. And because you host a program every day as well, you understand that uh, in this business, either feast or famine. And right now, it's feast. Uh, more stories than we can cover. So let me move very, very quickly in the limited time that we have. First of all, your thoughts. We just talked to Sir Michael Singleton about this. Uh, your thoughts on uh, Tom Emmer. Uh, here we go again. Uh, the question is whether he can get to 217. But your thoughts on where we are literally in this moment as they're counting votes. I mean, I don't think he's going to get to 217. Yeah. I, I think this is going to be just the latest casualty uh, that moderate Republicans, you know, are experiencing under MAGA rule. Uh, Tom Emmer voted in favor of codifying same-sex marriage. He voted in favor of spending bills and the debt limit deal that outraged the hardliners. And he opposed votes on January 6th, objecting the 2020 election results. That does not win you any friends. In the Freedom Caucus, it yep. does not win you, win you many friends or votes uh, among folks folks on the MAGA wing. And so, for example, Tavis, Representative Rich Allen, Republican of Georgia, said he's not going to back Hammer for Speaker because of his vote on Respect for Marriage Act. Representative Ralph Norman, a Republican from South Carolina, said on Tuesday, 
said, you know, just today that the conservative House Freedom Caucus is not committing to backing Emmer. And so if he can only lose four, yep. you know, those are at least two. Uh, and that's assuming that the, that's assuming that the, the Freedom Caucus, you know, doesn't stand on their word. Yeah. I, this, this makes your head spin. I, I got a headache just thinking about uh, uh, the fact that he can't get to 217 and we'll do this all over again. So leave it to Nick Quartelai-Corte to break it down. He's already counted two of the four that they cannot afford to lose. Let me put a pin in that for a moment. Speaking of MAGA, Miles, pull up this clip for me right quick. Uh, uh, Nick quartelai one by one, uh, uh, Fonnie Willis is doing her job. All these Trump folk down in Fulton County in Atlanta, in this case, keep pleading guilty. Listen to his campaign lawyer, Jenna Ellis. Thank you, Your Honor, for the opportunity to address the court. As an attorney who is also a Christian, I take my responsibilities as a lawyer very seriously, and I endeavor to be a person of sound moral and ethical character in all of my dealings. In the wake of the 2020 presidential election, I believed that challenging the results on behalf of President Trump should be pursued in a just and legal way. I endeavored to represent my client to the best of my ability. I relied on others, including lawyers with many more years of experience than I, to provide me with true and reliable information, especially since my role involved speaking to the media and to legislators in various states. What I did not do, but should have done, Your Honor, was to make sure that the facts the other lawyers alleged to be true were in fact true. In the frenetic pace of attempting to raise challenges to the election in several states, including Georgia, I failed to do my due diligence. I believe in and I value election integrity. If I knew then what I know now, I would have declined to represent Donald Trump in these post-election challenges. I look back on this whole experience with deep remorse. For those failures of mine, Your Honor, I have taken responsibility already before the Colorado Bar who censured me, and I now take responsibility before this court and apologize to the people of Georgia. Thank you. First the wanton hubris, first the wanton hubris, and now the crocodile tears. We'll get Nicole Cortez's take on that when we come forward. And the UAW, you're listening to Tavis Smile. Hope, agency, dignity. This is Tavis Smiley. May Fresh Daily in the Mert Park, Los Angeles, California. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley and Nicordelai Cortez. Just four minutes left in this hour, Nicordelai. You heard Jenna Ellis. You heard the tears. As I said earlier, first the wanton hubris, now the crocodile tears, former uh, campaign lawyer for Trump. Well, one by one, all of these folks, Sidney Powell, Jenna Ellis, they're lining up. They're all pleading guilty. And they're the president's lawyers. His lawyers are admitting, former president's lawyers, admitting that they uh, were engaged in some wrongdoing. How do you read these guilty verdicts every other day, it seems? Well, let me just say that um, if Fannie Willis keeps this up, the, the Fulton County DA, if she keeps this up, uh, that we all need to get on a, go on a road trip with her to Vegas, uh, because because the a lot of people, you know, said that the odds of her succeeding in this case at flipping folks was rather low, mm. and in a very short period of time, you know, we've seen now four lawyers, oh yeah, of, of the former president plead guilty, uh, and the trial hasn't even started yet. So <laughs> if I'm Donald Trump. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm, I I may not be able to get out of the bed today because yeah. uh, I, I don't know. I don't know when the fifth one or where the fifth one is coming. Yeah. You know, these were lawyers. These weren't just everyday people. Um, they did. They, her performance had come across to me as crocodile tears. 
I think the ultimate performance will be uh, in front of a jury, uh, in front of the former president, um, really uh, telling us everything that we don't already know. I yeah. think that's the that's, that's the performance we really should be uh, judging around. Well, that that day is coming. Uh, though it though it tarry, uh, though it wait, uh, that day is coming. So, uh, uh, just a matter of time uh, in, in that regard. Um, the UAW uh, has expanded its its strike yesterday in Michigan, today in Texas, and this is really a tale of two stories because some of these strikes have have ended well. Um, I see the American worker raising up their back. Dr. King always said, a man can only ride your back when it's bent. And when you straighten your back up, you're going somewhere. And so I see uh, evidence of a number of unions, as you see, that have successfully uh, navigated uh, this terrain. UAW not having quite the success they want. So they expanded yesterday in Michigan, expanded today in Texas. In the 90 seconds I have left, how are you reading this season of strikes that continues? Um, I, I think the GM executives, uh, need to take a second look at their strategy. Uh, they just reported that they lost about $800 million this last quarter, in large part because of the strikes, right? And so I would venture to say that what the workers are striking for amounts to less than $800 million mm-hmm. a quarter, right? Mm-hmm. You know, And so you know, for all the corporate executives out there that you know, are being hard-nosed about sharing in the prosperity um, you know, I think this is a cautionary tale in the making. Uh, UAW is not going to let up. There's a lot of people out there uh, that, you know, are having to do a lot more with less. And hopefully uh, that doesn't last too much longer. But, you know, we need pe- people to stay at the negotiating table. And, and we, this means that we need executives yeah. uh, to take a second look at their at their point of view on sharing in the prosperity. Uh, UAW presses forward. The actors here in Hollywood where I sit press forward. And so this season of strikes continues. Uh, we thank uh, Dr. Nick Cordelai-Corte, host of his own program, A More Perfect Union, on my home station in L.A., KBLA Talk 1580. And he is the chief national political affairs analyst for our station in Los Angeles, a professor at Pepperdine and anything else he wants to do. Uh, he's a busy brother, uh, but he gave us a few minutes today. And Nick Cordelai, I thank you for it. All the best to you, my friend. Talk to you soon. Always.